This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound, brought to you by The Nephilist. I'm your host, Ian Turner, and my guest today is Emily Fairlight. It was terrifying. I wanted everything bad to happen so that it wouldn't have to go ahead. I still sometimes feel that way. About every gig or about that gig? Depending on how long since I played the last show, but I had terrible stage fright when I first started playing. But there was always a payoff because when I'd play live, I'd always write, you know, or, or my songs would improve because I'd hear them through other people. But first, if you enjoy today's show, I'd love for you to subscribe. Just head to gardenofsound.nz and click on any of the subscription links on the front page. I'd also love for you to complete the listener survey while you're there. That web address again, gardenofsound.nz. My guest today is singer-songwriter and occasional mirror-maker Emily Fairlight. The where hidden depths may encapsulate the signage surrounding the Fairlight pool and one could go as far as to reflect upon a misspent youth. But that investment has afforded this woman an outlook which is considered and kind, amassing a who's who of the New Zealand music scene to support her live performances and recorded music. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Emily Fairlight on Plains FM 96.9. Emily, have you got a first memory of music? Probably my earliest memory. We were, I was brought up in the New Life Church system. Okay. So Dad burned all Mum's records, um, and it was Jesus Christ Superstar rock opera. You know, that was burned, or that was no, no, no. That was allowed. Which is odd in itself. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I still love that music. I reckon it's awesome, but um. Probably one of my first memories outside of that was um, going, we all had to go in the van to go to the airport whenever we were picking somebody up or dropping someone off. Yeah. And um, Funky Town was always oh. on the radio. It was kind of the only time we got to like listen to the radio and it just so happened that it was always playing. Do you think any of the, um, any of the works of Pseudo Echo have influenced Emily along mm, the way? No. No? None <laughs> no. of that sort of like 80s, 90s kind of synth? No. Nah. At least? No, not yet, but I mean, maybe for the future, I'm saving myself for that, you know. (laughs) Was there, um, uh, I imagine there was singing in church? Yep, yep, very musical church, lots of um, speaking in tongues and that kind of thing, and singing on stage. When did you consciously, I guess, break away from that type of music and start finding your own stuff? Probably, we always stopped going to the church at 10, I was age 10, and then... I was always write, like writing little songs for like you know my dog that died and all that, but mm. um, I didn't start playing music myself until later, till twenties. Mm. What yeah. about um, uh, what about instruments? When did they sort of hit the scene? A friend loaned me a guitar when I was probably like twenty one or something like that. Showed me two chords and I just started writing. Wow. Okay. So how were you constructing stuff prior to that? Was it just sort of words and melody? Yeah. Yeah. And I was always I was always writing bad poetry. You know. Uh, what were you doing at school? Were there any subjects that you particularly enjoyed? No, I hated it all. Yeah. I just got stoned at school and yeah, slept a lot. Yeah. Yeah. 
it just didn't really <laughs> no. en- didn't really engage. Nah, no, it wasn't. I mean, I went to Burnside High. It was kind of before they had their big music auditorium mm. stuff. And um, what years were you there? I'm just interested. Nineties in the nineties, mid mid to late nineties. Okay, so, so you weren't yeah. part of the music program. No, 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 no. I was part of the Stoner program. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Over to uh, <laughs> over to Jelly Park. Over to Jelly time. Park. You know it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, the memories at least. <laughs> yeah. Um Was there any hope at all for Emily? Was there was there any kind of future that she could imagine at that point? I kind of started to get into dance music. Around, like I left school at sixteen, and I had kind of started to get into dance music just before that, and so I was kind of doing some. DJing, you know, learning how to like beat match and all that. Mm. And I was doing some kind of visual performance stuff, you know, at the gatherings, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I kind of thought that was maybe a direction that I wanted to go down for a bit. But Yeah. Did that open any, any doors, either actual or? Well, yeah, I did. I, I, I ended up going to circus school, to wow. circle arts, and did performance for a couple of years. And... Yeah, like just festivals and like mm-hmm. vaudeville shows, that kind of thing. And then kind of started to get some interviews and interest and I kind of just realised that for me that there was no real heart in it. And that was when I'd started playing music and I was like, this is actually something that I believe in and that means something to me and could mean something to somebody else. So how long is that from that point from um, 21 or thereabouts when you start sort of yep. picking out a few chords and so on? How, how long is that sort of period? It was kind of crossing over, I suppose, as I was kind of reaching the end of my tether with doing like weird comedy and into writing. But I, I mean, I didn't start playing for a long time. I probably would have stayed in the bedroom if I didn't get forced out. How did you get forced out? Um, I did a radio show in Wellington called The Folk Show <laughs> um, on Munty FM. And um, I don't know if I can say that on here, but, it, you know, it's short for country. Yeah. And I would have you know, local musicians that I really liked come and play on the show. And yeah. um, a guy called Tim Beals, who's a really beautiful songwriter, came and played and I mentioned to him that I had written a song that had a similar title to one of his. Mm. And he was like, right, that's it. You're playing. Okay. And so I did. Shook my way through, you know. Is the, This is on air? No, no. At a, a, a gig, we put it, he put on a gig. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I played that. This was planned for you to come up on stage and perform yep. that song. It wasn't yep. like you were out in the audience. And he says, no, it was. I pl- I Emily's pl- got a song. No, no, I pl- played a full set. Fantastic. Yeah, I had I had lots of songs. I mean, yeah. yeah and um, what was it like? It was terrifying, and I wanted everything bad to happen so that it wouldn't have to go ahead. I still sometimes feel that way. Um, about every gig, or about that gig. Depending on how long since I played the last show, but I do I had ter- you know, just terrible stage fright when I first started playing. But there was always a payoff because when I'd play live I'd always write, you know, or or my songs would improve because I'd hear them through other people. Does that payoff make you feel better about the performance or the performing live? Yep, yeah, it does. And I think the more that I'm doing it, the more confident I feel you know I don't I try to tell myself that you know the physicality of nervousness is the same as excitement you know there's just self trickery yeah stuff but um it's like anxiety and coffee 
Yeah. When was the last gig you played? I was like two weeks ago, actually. Okay. Um, not bad. It's not been like a year or something in the wilderness. It had been a long time before then. Okay. So how did you prepare yourself? Well, I kind of, I agreed to do it at like two in the morning and it was a week before the show. And, um, you know, so obviously the next morning I woke up and thought, let's hope that's all a dream. Yeah. And then just, yeah, I've been playing with this amazing musician. I don't know if you know him, Thomas Espister. He was like, well, if we're going to do it, then let's do it. So we just ran songs every day and um, yeah, just felt real good about it and just had the best show I feel like I've had in, in years. Amazing. Yeah. I want to talk about influences because uh, it would be good to, to hear some music that, that you like or has led you. And Lucinda Williams is, yep. is an artist uh, that you have mentioned. Why? Why her? Um, I think that she has a real knack for just really getting the emotion of what she's of what she's feeling into into a song. Like I can I can hear every pain in her in every word of um of her song and yeah, I just find it really evocative and beautiful. Can you write music without a heart? I mean you can. I think that's just heart music is what I relate to, you know, it's brings me to tears and yeah. you know i think it's really special yeah uh and what's the track we're going to hear from her and um, we're going to hear i envy the wind why this track uh i just think it's beautiful in its simplicity i like the way that she relates emotion to the elements and in that song that's prevalent Your body 
is The Garden of Sound Interview with Emily Fairlight on Plains FM 96.9. There's only one way to settle this. There is another way. Visit midiquiz.com and see how your general knowledge stacks up against friends, family and Darren down the road. It's free and a great way to get you ready for the big leagues. Visit miniquiz.com now. That's M-I-N-I-Q-W-I-Z.com and show everyone who the quizzed in your neighbourhood really is. Miniquiz.com. Start small and do them all. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Emily Fairlight on Plains FM 96.9. You mentioned the gathering and dance parties and all of that kind of kind of stuff. What what was the first what was the first big gig that you um you got along to? Well, you know, I don't I don't remember. I don't remember the first kind of live gig I went to. I mean, probably the gatherings. I was going to those from when I was 16. Yep. And you know, you mentioned Salmonella Dub earlier yep. and um you know they played there and i don't know a bunch of djs that i can't remember what's a gig that's blown you away angel olsen okay tell me more i got into her album burn your fire for no witness which i just think is such an incredible album and um and bought the record you know yada yada and then she was playing in wellington and i Went to the gig and it was one of those ones where you go to it and everybody's like, oh, let's go and party afterwards. And I was like, no way, I've got to go home and process this, you know. I want to, don't want to cleanse my palate just now. I want to, like, sit with it for a while. I felt the same when, when I went to Radiohead. Saw them on the King of Limbs tour and, you know, it was kind of, let's all go to a bar and whatever. And I was like, nah, I just need to sit with it, you know. Those ones that just really make you feel... Um, yeah. Is there a place in New Zealand where you feel you have been at your best creatively? Yeah, definitely in Wellington. I mean, Littleton as well to an extent, but when I was in Wellington, when I was working on the Mother of Gloom album, I house set for a year and a half, just moving every couple of weeks and you know, going and staying in a range of different houses with, you know, often they had like a beat up old guitar that sat collecting dust in the corner and I just loved writing on different instruments and in different, you know, different settings. Yeah. So that was pretty good for writing. What is life like as a, uh, as a, as a musician and a, and a traveler? Hmm. That's great. (laughs) Uh, it's great sometimes. I think that the world's pretty beautiful and I like being able to have the time to see the beauty in things. And, you know, I think part of being a writer isn't just sitting down with a guitar, it's observing, um, taking things in, thinking about a story about how something got there, like a house or, you know, like a dying plant or, I don't know, I'm not really thinking of very good <laughs> examples here. But, you know, it's wonderful and it's torturous all at the same time you know like I spend a lot of time in my own head um so if I have the opportunity to do something to get out of my head like I I make bespoke mirrors just part-time um which is awesome because I don't think about anything else Mm. um so yeah it's a balance why mirrors 
my friend makes mirrors and he's got too much work on and I needed some and it just that's kind of how life works for me really is yeah. something comes up and yep. it serves a purpose and it works yep no deeper yep. meaning no nope. nothing reflective or anything yeah 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 until i do see the reflection and then i get a fright and then it's like oh my god um <laughs> yeah. you talked about that gig with thomas yeah um is there another gig that you've played which has just been everything's just gone yeah i had uh when i did the album release for mother of gloom in wellington uh it had been a pretty shit time uh around the release, you know, personal stuff that didn't really, you know, wasn't really out there publicly, but um, just managed to pull together a group of really incredible people. I had 10 or 11 people on stage, you know, horn section, backing singers, violinist, and all the, the usual classics. But it just felt like, just felt real powerful and... We kind of had a bunch of practices leading up, like you know, separate little practices, like with the singers and the violinists, and then yeah. with the core band. Yeah. Um, but the first time that we all actually played together was the show. Not even everybody was there for sound check, and I love that. I love being surprised, and you know, and being delighted, you know, mid song of a thing that I've been playing by myself for fucking ages, and then all of a sudden it's like, it's whoa, you did that! What are the lyrics? Awesome. Was there yep. a recording of that particular show? There's some little snippets of films out there, but generally have an aversion to cameras. So yeah. Yeah. Um, have you got any tips for keeping people close? Because being able to sort of call on a large number of folks to do this thing for you, they obviously like you. I suppose I'm not an asshole. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, we have, it's fun, you yep. know, like, and not very like dictatory when it comes to you know I have some things that I really want mm-hmm. um I I never you know I don't think that anything you know if you're playing a live gig I don't think that it has to match the album exactly and it's you know it never was going to I recorded that album in Austin Texas with session musicians over mm-hmm. there so you know I I like I I don't think that I could tell somebody how to do something better if they're the master of the violin or you know, they're the master of the trumpet or whatever. So um, so I think there's a bit of creative freedom for people and, I don't know, somehow maybe they like my songs or feel sorry for me. I'm not 100% sure, but it could be a mixture. It could be a mixture of everything. Yeah. Conversely, is there anything you've had to walk away from? Yes. When I was living in Dunedin, I, I've, um, I was, you know, I've been back in Christchurch for about a year, but when I was living in Dunedin, I... Felt like I was in a, I was in a relationship, and I lost a little bit of control and independence within my um, of my of my craft, mm. you know, due to personal situation and also mental health issues, and yeah. just so I had to sever sever some ties um, so that I could retain some creative autonomy again. Yeah. Um, but that's actually been a real, really positive thing for me. I've been writing a lot again since then. It's been a bit of a shit time for. For artists generally with, with COVID and there is some financial support out there, is there enough, I guess, mental support or support for one's mental health? Yeah, there is. Um, you know, there's the music helps and, um, you know, and I think there's lots of really good things in New Zealand as well. Like, you know, there's the text line, which, you know, I've used a bit. And um, so, yeah, it is out there. Mm. It's just being 
brave enough to use those channels, I think. And um, yep. yeah. It's time for some music. Yes. Um, and we're going to hear Neutral Milk Hotel. You got it. Got it. Uh, and a track called O Comely, um, all eight minutes, 18 <laughs> yes. of it. Tell me about the song and this band. Um, I love this band so much. This was, I think, I was listening to this album, Aeroplane Over the Sea, um, when I first started gigging, and um, I just couldn't believe that somebody could write songs like this, and it was like nothing I'd ever heard before, and it's like nothing I'll ever hear again. And um, I think he played his last show in New Zealand and then just um, with Chris Knox, actually, and then just went to ground. I understand that now, you know, like later in my in my music career life, mm. um, the necessity to do that. And I just think he has a wonderful brain. I think he sings at the edge of his voice, which I find really brave and passionate. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like punk folk, I suppose, which... I enjoy, you know, it's not tea folk, it's not light, it's, you know, good little heart stabs. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, they did a tour, got to see them live, and it was just incredible. Yeah, mind blown.
The father made fetuses with flesh licking ladies while you and your mother were asleep in the trailer park. Thunderous sparks from the dark of the stadiums, the music and medicine you needed for comforting. So make all your fat, fleshy fingers to moving and pluck all your silly strings and bend all your notes for me. And soft, silly music is meaningful magic. The movements were beautiful All in your ovaries All of them milking with green fleshy flowers While powerful pistons were sugary sweet machines Smelling of semen all under the garden
trees together far away from hell there is sun and spring and green forever but now we move to feel for ourselves inside some Your skin began to blend itself with This is the Garden of Sound interview with Emily Fairlight on Plains FM 96.9. At the end of the section, we're going to be talking about one of your songs off Mother of Gloom. Yep. And the track is... The Escape. The Escape. You mentioned um, Austin and recording. How did that come about? I'd been to Texas a couple of times touring. First time with another band and the second time I just went solo. And um, Why Texas? It was just where the other band was going, and okay. so I, you know, I was always like, oh, "I'll never go to America." And then I was like, "I'll go to America." And yep. um, so might as well go big. Yeah, um, and I just just met really amazing people when I was over there the first time, and so six months later, a, fr- a good friend helped me book a solo tour, and and ended up in Austin, Texas, where I had um, friends that I stayed with from mm. the trip before, and. I think it was maybe the last show that I was playing was at um, Hole in the Wall, which is like a famous Austin dive bar. And mm-hmm. it's kind of, you don't really have a sound guy when you play at these venues. It's just like you kind of set yourself up and you just go for gold, you know, put a tip bucket out. Yep. I didn't really know what I was doing. And there was a duo that were playing before me. And um, I was like, hey, like, where, you know, where do I plug my shit in? Like, how do I make this work? And this guy gave me a hand. And he stuck around and watched my set. And, you know, we ended up having some drinks afterwards and that was that. And then went back to Wellington and going through some shit. Woke up at seven in the morning, wrote the escape before eight, all in one, and then decided to make a little video of myself singing it in my my pyjamas. And um, right after, maybe half an hour after, the guy who helped me plug my guitar in and set me up messaged me and said, I want you to come and record with me um, in Austin. And I said, okay. Before we talk about that um, particular experience, you were talking about the abject terror potentially of getting up on stage and and doing your thing, maybe if you haven't played for a while. Mm. Um, But to release something new and fresh um, via the internet Mm. in a... I'm in my pajamas. I'm in my my own personal <laughs> yeah. my, my nest, yeah. my safe space. Yeah. What prompted you? Or what led you to do that? I have no idea. I think it was just. I I guess I was proud of something that I'd created. You know, like before eight o'clock in the morning. Man, yeah. You yes. know, who achieves before eight o'clock in the morning? 
there you go, I'll take it. Um, yep. Yeah, I just, I think I just felt like sh- sharing, you know, a moment, you know, and the song feels, I felt quite isolated. I think the song is about being quite isolated and so, yeah. you know, just shove it out there into the ether. Yeah, and something came back. Yep. Or put yep. it out into the universe. What was the experience like uh, recording there? Because you, you've done a heap in New Zealand. It was great. It was, um, I really enjoyed the fact that, you know, I was over there for a month. Yep. We did lots of kind of pre-production, like lots of discussion about each song. I yep. mean, the list of songs that I sent him on that same day that he asked me to go and record mm. changed completely because in the, I think it was maybe three months between him inviting me, it might have even been two, um, and me going over to the, there to record, I wrote, you know, the majority of the stuff in that time. So it was all kind of, they were all pretty fresh songs. Mm. Yeah. Um, was there anything in that session that was sort of new or exciting in terms of the recording process, which you hadn't done before? I'd recorded my first album ages and ages ago, and yeah. I didn't really want to do that. It just somebody <laughs> saw me play and said, Come on. Can I record you? And I said, Only if I don't have to listen to it. And then we recorded another album. I recorded another album with the same guy and just binned it because I didn't, um, I just didn't feel connected to it. And, um, yeah, so I hadn't had great recording experiences. Um, I was pretty rigid and tight yeah. and just nervous. But um, yeah. but when going over to Austin, there was just something about it. I felt in my element. I, you know, we'd go and we'd do a session. I'd get some raw beds back. You know, I'd listen to them for like backing vocals or for, you know, writing violin parts or yep. you know all of that kind of thing. And I just. It was gave me a lot gave me a lot of confidence in my ability, which I don't think I'd had prior to that. In this particular recording, is there anything that you are especially excited about, or anything you like a lot? I really like. There's a guy called Cullen Fuchs who um, he plays trumpet, um, piano, accordions, vibraphone, uh, omnichord, um, and he was just really into the songs, and it was just kind of like a let him go loose at the song yeah. and, um, you know, edit certain bits out that get a bit much. But I just loved it. I loved everything that he did. So so what was the um, reaction uh, to the track once it was released? Really positive. So that was my first get funding from NZ On Air, which, you know, I kind of put it in thinking, oh, God, I'll never hear back about this. Um, and, you know, I didn't, like, plug the dates in my head of what the, you know, when they announced the winners or whatever we are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm a winner, but um, I, you know, just started getting messages from people, yeah, saying, you know, congratulations, and I was like, whoa, people like this shit. That's cool. Um, and so I started writing videos, you know, yeah. which I really enjoyed as well. Like, you know, I mean, when you're writing a song, you have visuals in your mind, and then creating visuals again after the song is complete is you know i really enjoyed that that part of the process
This is the Gardner Sound interview with Emily Fairlight on Plains FM 96.9. It seemed like you were maybe not out in the wilderness, but you hadn't found yourself yet as a teenager. Mm -hmm. Anything you might say to that person about to put on the green tartan or gingham of Burnside (laughs) High? Nah, just for you. Yeah, I I think that probably I needed to do all the weird shit that I did as a teenager. And, yeah. yeah, I moved to Melbourne when I was seventeen. And, oh, amazing! Um, yeah, it wasn't amazing. It was crazy. But um, yeah. but I th- I think probably like if I was going to say to my younger self, you know, when I first started playing music live, yep, was that I wanted so desperately to fit in, you know, and play with other like country music people and you know but I was always just didn't feel like I like I did and I had people saying to me you know that's a good thing and so once I accepted that and accepted that I was different I wasn't just you know like playing country music I enjoyed that and um, I think that you know going over to the the states going over to Texas for the first time thinking that I was you know a country music Americana person and playing shows there and then just being like what the fuck is this? You know, and I say, like, oh. In a good way or a bad way? I took it in a good way. Okay. Yeah, I was like, cool. You know, I mean, in a way it is like other shit, but it's but it doesn't exactly fit, and yep. I, I enjoy that, and I think yep. that that is not as important as I thought it was when I was younger, okay. fitting in. How important, it depends where you come from, are boxes to place your musical genres in? Not. Okay. I feel like when people ask me what kind of music I play, I answer differently every time, mm-hmm. you know, dependent on how I'm feeling and, you know, whether or not I want to fuck with them or, you know, or depending on what song I'm talking about. I don't know. Like, you know, they don't go in and be like, let's write a, you know, like a heart country song you know that's i just write what comes out it's mm. never it's ne- nothing's intended yeah yeah music that connects yeah yeah mm. yeah is there any uh, element of mentorship or support that you have been able to offer to anyone i mean i like working on a you know on other people's music or you know like if i hear something you know, and if somebody's open to feedback, then yep. I will offer it in a in a delicate way. And and you know, I I just applied for some a producer grant to help out a friend just with kind of workshopping songs. And you know, it's like a kind of producer thing. So it, it's something that I would like to get into and kind of you know do anyway. It'd be nice to get paid for it, but yeah, just who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's a big thing. Any other unfulfilled desires in terms of your your musical? journey yeah well i would very much like to i want to start a band that is kind of like a like medieval doom folk metal band i just think that it's a hole in the market like i don't know i'm thinking kind of like black mountain meets low something something like that okay Um, distorted liars and that kind of thing yeah yeah okay yeah i think that there's there's something so that's you know, it's in the pipeline. Okay. Yeah. You could be Emily Darklight. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're going to come back uh, very shortly and we're going to play mini quiz. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Emily Fairlight on Plains FM 96.9. I just want to tell you about the listener survey I mentioned at the top of the show. I love making Garden of Sound because I love music and I love being able to support local music. And I know you love being able to find out what local musicians are up to and hear new tracks and perhaps discover ways to progress your own musical career. To keep making Garden of Sound better, I need to find out who's listening and what you think of the show. So please head to the homepage and click the survey link. It's gardenofsound.nz. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Emily Fairlight on Plains FM 96.9. We're going to do a mini quiz and I'm going to ask you 10 questions. You're going to have 60 seconds to answer said questions. Um, And if you don't know the answer, all you need to do is say pass. Can I say pass or can I just guess? Of course you can guess. Okay. I'm imagining we're going to come up with some just crazy answers. (laughs) So humour is good. All right, Emily. Uh, your time starts. In which decade was Bruce Springsteen born? Sixties. Mm, which song would you hear the lyrics? There's a lady who's sure all that glitters is gold. Twinkle, twinkle. In which year did Crowded House release "Don't Dream It's Over"? Ninety-eight. James Hetfield was a founding member of which Metallica. The College Dropout was the debut album in 2004 for which US artist? Mariah Carey. Roger Taylor is best known as a member of which famous band? Oh, I feel like I should know this one. One of those, like, Pink Zeppelin, something like that. Something like that. Who released the album Red in 2012? Um, Spice Girls. What English band formed in 79 included brothers Gary and Martin Kemp, reuniting in 2009 after a 20-year break? Pass. And your time is up. All right, let's go through those answers. You did better than I expected. (laughs) Uh, Springsteen was born in 1949, so the 40s. There's a lady who's sure all that glitters is gold, and she's buying a stairway to heaven. (laughs) Don't Dream It's Over was released in 1986. Well done, James Hetfield, Metallica. (laughs) The college dropout, Kanye West. Roger Taylor, Queen. Ah. Um, who released Red in 2012? That was Taylor Swift. And Gold, Always Believe in Spandau Ballet, Gary and Martin Kemp. So I got one right. Yeah, you got one. That's pretty good. That's great. We've had lots of people who've got one. <laughs> no one has scored zero as yet, <laughs> okay, good. which is exciting. Coming up very soon, in fact, Wednesday of next week, Yep. barring catastrophe yes um you are playing at greater goods yes yes alongside deep water creek that's the one yeah okay tell me about tell me about the gig what are you going to be doing how, how is it going to go is it going to be amazing it's going to be amazing i'm really excited about it um why are you excited we've got a potential the, the show came together because we're potentially going to be playing up in auckland next year yeah. hopefully fingers crossed oh, everything cool. goes ahead at the americana fest and yep. So I had an idea to kind of do a bit of a fundraising show to get the bands up there. Yeah. Uh, luckily for me and Deepwater Creek, we share a band. Okay. More or less. Okay. Yeah. One S- one member aside. So. Okay. Uh, so who was in that band? John T. O'Connor on yep. the drums. Yep. Uh, Thomas Asbister. Yep. Um, guitar, 
and then we've got different different bass players. Okay. But yeah, the shows, Maddie and I have been working on a song of each other's and we're working on a cover together as well. Mm. Um, and I just, I love their music. I reckon it's it's amazing. Yeah. I, I feel like um, as a songwriter, he's, he's incredible. I just believe him, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So yeah, we've kind of been creating this really nice little music community just over the last wee while yeah i'm sure it was there before i came into it but now i've you know forged yep. forced myself in there but yeah yeah so yeah it'll just be a really nice night of cool music and lovely people sounds good yeah okay yeah. so if it's not already sold out which i'm presuming it will do very quickly then uh, get your tickets uh, to that greater goods gig um we've got one more track to listen to on the show today yep uh, and it's another one of yours called lips Lasso. Yes. Lips Lasso was written in three different houses and three different, very different states of mind and uh, states of a particular relationship that I had been in. And um, it started off as something that was quite soft and gentle and it became something that, I don't know, I suppose it's as close to metal as I'm ever going to get. Okay. <laughs> and kind of... not accidentally recorded it but it kind of came about just um fucking around at home in the living room at like two in the morning or something like that uh laying down the kind of the initial song and then you know I enjoyed playing the song and I you know like I enjoyed taking time to work on the structure of it and I never knew how big it could get and Mm. um and it just kept growing and and I was lucky enough to have um, David Kilgar for the clean, um, and Dunedin was a friend, and you know sent him the song, and he ended up playing guitar on it, and uh, Michael McLeod of the Shifting Sands, and Alex Vartstra, who's an incredible violinist based in Wellington, and yeah, we just kept growing it and growing it, and it just felt like this thing that was bigger than I ever imagined it could be. So that's was the first single after. Um, since after the Mother of Gloom's yeah. release. Let's check it out. This is um, Lips Lasso. Um, more importantly, Emily, it's been amazing to meet you and chat to you today. Thanks yeah, so much for likewise. coming. Likewise. Thanks for having me.
thanks for joining me today. Thanks also to Emily Fairlight for coming to visit and chatting about her life and music and that upcoming gig at Greater Goods. If you want to find out more about Emily, just head to gardenofsound.nz and click on her link on the front page. You'll also be able to get tickets to that gig too. I'm Ian Turner and I look forward to bringing you Garden of Sound same time next week. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening and keep playing. Enohorah.